On this episode of the Big O Podcast, I'm joined by 2017 MLS Cup champion and current Real Salt Lake leftback Ashton Morgan. We talk about what it was like to get invited to the TFC Academy at just 16 years old, what it meant to represent Toronto on the big stage, and all of the feelings he experienced when hoisting the MLS Cup trophy on home soil. This is the Big O Podcast. Today on the Big O Podcast, I'm joined by former Northern Red Knight, former MLS Cup champion, and current member of Real Salt Lake, Mr. Ashton Morgan. Ashton, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate that. You know, um, it's been a fun sort of journey since you broke into the league that I was able to say that I went to high school and scrimmaged against a former MLS cup winner. So that was, that's a, that was a big deal, big deal for me, but, um, how's everything right now? You're in Salt Lake city playing for getting, starting to get ready to play for real Salt Lake. How's, how's all that stuff going right now? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's definitely been, it's been very different. You know, um, I'm a city boy, downtown boy. So like <laughs> to come here and wake up to mountains every day and like kind of in like uh, the suburbs is like different for me, you know, but right. I'm at that age now where I, I think I need a little change in my life and my routine. I've been, I was in Toronto for so many years, you know, so I think uh, a change in the game and for lifestyle would be, would be great for me just to learn and grow and, uh, it's been a good transition, obviously. Is obviously with this, you know, what's been going on right now with the COVID. Yeah, been a little tough with that, but uh, just to come in Salt Lake and start fresh again, and you know, kind of rejuvenize myself and my career is uh, it's been a blessing in disguise, you know. So it's uh, an exciting time for me right now. Sure. Yeah, for definitely wanting a change, this is probably the biggest change that you could have never seen coming, for sure. Um, so when did you get to Salt Lake city, I guess, to start training for the 2020 season? Yeah, I actually got here January, like around January 10th. Okay. January 10th. I, I, uh, I flew in and that flight was like the longest flight of my life. <laughs> like it's not that long, but just for me personally, I was like, Oh my God, right. getting up, I packed all my stuff and like, I'm gone, you know? Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. So January 10th, that's when I, uh, first came out here. And so, like you said, this is a big change. You're obviously a, a Toronto guy living downtown. BMO feels pretty accessible. Sure, you go on the road for maybe a couple of games, but definitely not packing your life into essentially a couple bags and saying, hey, I'm going to be out here for you know X amount of time until maybe you return back to Toronto in the off season or something like that. Yeah. How did that weigh on you? your your sort of like mental health or like your psyche as to you know i'm starting a brand new chapter with a bunch of guys who i've never played with before and moving to a big new different city than toronto is for sure how does how did that factor in how how did you process all of those things yeah man honestly when i first heard i wasn't returning to toronto i had no club for like right no club for maybe one two months and I was like, man, this is like, life really hit me, you know, right. in one place and comfortable, you know, for so long, you know, and 
having no job, no club. Basically, I was just training. I was going to like the YMCA, like <laughs> out in the gym. You know, this in my own corner. You know, uh, and finally, Real, Real Salt Lake came. You know, I feel it's. it's I was very sad. Not gonna lie, I was so sad. For sure. You know, definitely gutted. You know, being in one place for so long, I was sad. But you know, I had my my family, my friends. You know, who uh, who kept me close and like would tell me like, man, like you get to restart yourself, you know, and get to restart your engine, you know, you get to grow, get to grow up now. I grow up even more than you have in the city because you've been comfortable, you know, now you're gonna be uncomfortable. Now every day you train is like a, your last day kind of thing, you know, like that fire that I was missing. I feel right. like I was missing my fire a little bit because again, playing or working at one place for so long does become a little stale, you know, you kind of sure. can get complacent. And I think in that, also the consistency is great, but even being cons- having consistency with your work in your life, it's like, how do you keep that fire going? Right. Because you're so used to this one thing being here all the time. You know? <laughs> and it finally got taken away from me. And I was like, okay, like now my fire was literally really low. But then again, like I said, when I got on that plane, like it was like the longest flight for me, but I started realizing like, you know what, like this is going to be really, really, uh, really, really good for me for my future. And just for me being a, a, a man of athlete in this world, man. So, yeah. So you're, so you're without a club for about a month and then how did Salt Lake city, how did real Salt Lake sort of get into the mix yeah. to, to sign you? So actually is a lot of people don't know, but real Salt Lake has actually been keeping tabs on me from like my first season in the league. Wow. They've, tried, they've actually tried to acquire me a couple of times throughout my career already so, uh, you know, and I've always been a big fan of the way they play football, especially when I was younger, they actually play great style of football. So, uh, you know, knowing that was also good on my kind of a chip on my shoulder when I was younger, but, uh, you know, now that I get to join them is also, uh, too, you know, so you know, it's weird how things, things work. Yeah. It's weird how things work out. It's funny because it's like you said, you know, you get complacent every once in a while, but I mean, it's, it's like dating a girl for a very long time. You know, you just, you run through the motions and then all of a sudden when that relationship is gone, you know, you got to put yourself out there and really that's what you're going to be going through once your training camp opens. So we're recording this on May 6th, which was the official first day that MLS allowed their clubs to start getting together with teams. I think there were only um, three teams that actually got together today. But as you mentioned before, we started recording, you actually have your first individual phase one workout tomorrow. And so what is, what is that going to be like for you? Are you, are you excited? Are you nervous? Cause now, I mean, you spend all this time in Salt Lake city sort of trying to stay fit, trying to do all these things while still getting acclimated to the city. But now it's, it's time to perform your job. What are you, what are you feeling going into tomorrow? Yes. It's like first day of school again. You know, <laughs> I felt like I had that a couple of months ago, but you know, again, it's here, you know, and uh, you're kind of going through preseason for the second time in the year, you know, it's kind of treated as a preseason, you know, uh, and like, we've been home, all the guys have been home doing home workouts, been going for runs outside, finding a field in their area. It feels like I'm a kid again. Like when I had to do my workouts, I was like, man, it feels like I'm, I'm back at the, back at the grind again, you know? So, uh, that was, uh, that was also exciting for me to say, you know, retrain my mind. But, uh, honestly, like it's, it's, it's great that we get to actually get back into our, our environment, you know, cause we're used to being in a professional 
environment every day, you know? So just to get back to that, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be awesome. And, uh, what's the reception been like with the guys? Like you said, everybody's sort of been out there. This will be training camp number two. What's the reception with the guys been sort of during this time? Cause you know, you start in January, you get out there and I'm sure everyone's sort of getting to know each other, but this is a definitely a trying time with everybody at home doing their own thing, not really together. Have you guys been keeping touch? Have you guys been doing things to sort of build the, the team bonding? Yeah, actually. So twice a week, we actually have Zoom meetings. Ah, oh, there we go. On, uh, on Mondays, usually have like a workout together. Like everybody's on the Zoom of our trainers working out. We have to follow along. And it's actually really nice because our, our club, on like other than most, like I've brought equipment to everybody's homes. So okay. we do workouts with the equipment that they provided with us. So it's, it's it's been really good. You know, on Thursdays, we try to do either a workout or like a video session just to, you know, work on us and our team, which has been good, you know. So I just, I just think during this time, our most players, and you know, we just want to make sure like our families are are good. You know, football Fair enough. Our, is our life. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, if our families aren't good and everybody's safe and healthy, then, you know, that's actually second, you know, but uh, Fair. as long as we're, everything else is good, you know, the, when the football comes, we're, we're going to be excited. All right. So now I want to sort of get wow. into your beginning at TFC and even maybe before then your introduction to, to soccer. So I got to meet you way, way, way back in the day in high school. Yeah. Um, I want to say, I can't remember if you were two or three years younger. How old are you? 91. 29. 91. Okay. So three years. So I was in 88. So we got to meet each other when you were playing on the junior soccer team. Yeah. And I was on the senior team at that time. And correct me if I'm wrong, you had Mr. Mool and another gym teacher as your coach, correct? Yeah, I did. I think Mr. McAlpine. Yeah, there we go, Mr. McAlpine. So we we really got to sort of see each other when we would scrimmage against each other. And I think we maybe even played an indoor winter season together at some point. Yeah, yeah. But I remember there was you and a guy named Victor who also yeah. were probably the top echelon of guys on that on that team at the time. And when I graduated from from high school and went through university, and then I you know I saw the news, you know, local Toronto kid makes TFC. I was like, wait a second, this is this is my guy Ashton. This is <laughs> this is great. And when and when I put out the other day that I was going to be doing this with you, I had a bunch of friends who are diehard TFC fans who were like. How do you know? How is this guy doing this with you? How do you know him? And it's, it, it, I took great pleasure to say, listen, I actually went to high school with this guy. He probably used to bust our ass all the time in practice, but that's that's fine. We probably won a couple of games against him, but um, how how is that? You know, as a youth, you know, you're going to Northern. You're you're on the under thirteen Toronto Lynx team. You know, you you're traveling around. I believe you did like a, a couple of tournaments over in in England. Maybe even got a couple offers from some English clubs. Like, what was that experience like? Yeah, honestly, just uh, I feel even at Northern and before Northern football in Canada, like being being a professional player was like uh, being a diamond in the rough. Like it's right. like now it's more accessible for young players, but even for me, that was tough. You know, I remember I went to England and I got, uh, actually got an offer from Southampton who has an awesome academy team. Uh, but even for my parents, you know, my dad loved football. My mom loved me playing sport, Right. you know, but <laughs> being a professional player wasn't in like the, in the plan to like, what, right. what is that? Like, what is that life? You know? So, so that actually was crossed off my, off the board for me, you know, and 
who knows where I would have went there or whatever, you know, but things happen for a reason as, as, as we all say, you know, but, uh, I think definitely when that happened, I definitely understood that like, you know what, I'm actually a decent player and I could, if I keep working at this, you know, who knows, maybe another opportunity will, uh, will arise, you know, and, uh, so definitely soccer back then, from what I remember, was definitely, like you said, not necessarily a professional thing. It wasn't something that people had major aspirations. It's not, you know, the MLS of today. Yeah. It, it was definitely, I remember the Toronto Lynx used to play at like Varsity Stadium and it was, you know, it was fun to go see, but like those guys definitely had other jobs that they were doing in order to pay the bills. Um but you know you're continuing to do this. You're growing. You're you're playing for, for the Toronto Lynx, and then at 16 you actually do, join the TFC Academy. Mm-hmm. So what did what did that mean to you to get that invitation to to play for T, the TFC Academy? That was crazy. That was like so surreal. Like even like TFC coming to the city was like even new to all of us. I was like, what? Like we have our actual our own professional team. I know we've had the Lynx and Metros and everybody, you know, but. This is like a proper official team we could actually support, get behind, you know, and uh, just to wear the badge, like the badge alone was enough for me to be like, you know what, like, I want this, you know, I want this life. This is like, this is now it's attainable for us young players, this generation, you know? So uh, yeah, again, it was just a surreal, surreal experience. <laughs> I remember uh, actually, I never says anybody, <laughs> but perfect. But yeah, because <laughs> I remember my coach Jason Ben at the time. If you played in the academy, you weren't allowed to play high school soccer. Oh no! And that's when I was still in Northern. <laughs> and uh, it was funny because one of my goalies in the team at the time, and Victor also played on the academy, and my goalie on my team played at North Toronto. He went to school at North Toronto. Victor went to Northern, obviously. Yeah. And we actually played Northern versus North Toronto oh. and I had practice. But if your coach found out you played high school soccer, you would have been cut. Oh, no. Cut. And I remember me and Victor kind of did like a rock over scissors of who was going to stay and play for the high school team and who was going to go practice. So I said, no, bro, forget it. I'll just play for the game. I'll play the game. You would have practice. Tell coach that I have like homework and I can't make it. And uh, But for me back then, like, Soccer took over my life. Like after school, the bell rang. I was on the bus going to Vaughn to the soccer center. Like I was, I didn't really have a social life. So when I played high school soccer, like it allowed me to like meet more people other than like my core friends that I had, you know, right. just kind of like get, get myself out there a little bit, you know? So, you know, I definitely was risking it a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, man, you, but that, that's the thing. You had the passion to want to play soccer. So you weren't going to let, you know, as bad as it was, one thing dictate the other, you, yeah. you wanted to play. And, and you know what, playing for coach removal from what I remember, it really set you up to, to have that sort of professional mentality. I mean, he was a guy who was recording games before anybody else in soccer was really doing that at the high school level. Yeah. Um, I mean, we saw that obviously with football, especially at Northern with that program being so good. But for soccer, he was recording games. You were watching film the day after you played a game to get ready for the next game to see what you did, to see what you didn't do well. He'd bust your ass at six o'clock in the morning for practice when it was freezing outside. Oh, man. Yeah, I I, he he was as as crazy as a lot of people thought he was. I actually thought he was great at not just helping you understand the game of football, but also 
teaching you how to be a man, the responsibilities. You were late for practice. You didn't play. You didn't stay behind after the game to clean up all the stuff. You did not play. You sat out an X amount of time. I remember I had like a, an orthodontist appointment like right after one of our games. I didn't help clean up. Yeah. I was benched the first half of the next game. And my mom was there and she was trying to explain it to him. And he did not care. Yeah. He just said, listen, your son's not here. He's not playing. He told me I kicked like a goat. Like that was like his favorite. <laughs> that, 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 that I thought, what was he? He was Algerian. He was he was hilarious. I loved him. The nice, yeah. Oh, then that like white perm. It was beautiful. Um, all right. So you are at the academy now with Victor and your buddy from North Toronto. And in 2010, you actually make your debut for the professional team during a Concacaf uh, Champions League match against a team from Panama. What do you remember from that experience? Like, what were you feeling at the time? Both nervous, excited. Like, what was going through your mind? I'm sorry, you just said it, and I started feeling. And <laughs> uh, I even saw the shoes from that game for real. Like, oh wow, I have shoes. Uh, yeah, shoes, the jersey, everything. Um, honestly, that was. I remember I was told maybe like three days before that I was going to play or be featured in that game. I mean, I've been playing or starting. I didn't know that, but they said you're going to be with the first team for the next three days and maybe play with the play in the in the Champions League match. So my will change, and I had to go to the first team training in the morning, like train with the first team. And you know, day of the game came, I didn't even get a haircut. Like it was a crazy. <laughs> shaved my face. I looked like looked like an idiot. I was like, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But to be honest with you, like it was like again one of the most surreal experiences in my life like uh the butterflies that i had were like so hard to explain they were huge like they were just like huge and uh i couldn't wait to get the first touch my first touch or tackle or pass or whatever i just wanted to get into the game as fast as i could i remember that and uh to be fair i remember i had a an excellent game i remember i definitely let like my coaches the stadium the fans like the city know that like like, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Like, I remember out of my family, my, all my friends were there. It was, just, it was just like the craziest moment I've ever, one of the craziest moments I've ever had in my life for sure. So that was wild. So what does the date March 17th, 2011 mean specifically to you? To me? To you. Question. <laughs> uh, I think it was, what was it, my first game? I think that was the day you signed your professional contract yeah so that yeah so actually that was crazy because i went through a whole preseason with a pulled groin and i was Jeez. In, i was in turkey and i didn't i didn't tell my coaches <laughs> we would go to one of my trainers that i was pretty close with and he would tape me up wrap my hips and make sure i was good all preseason so i actually made it through a whole preseason first team preseason with like a pulled groin and, and then and then signed your when did your preseason start before March 17th or after before before so so you're you're injured you're wrapped up you're in Turkey yeah and then you sign your contract when you sign your contract do you feel like a little bit better at that time being like like all right this is oh yeah I because yeah. it's just in life I was at rock bottom though like I was like football was kind of being weird for me a little bit uh and uh, I'll say like school, I didn't know if I wanted to go to university on a scholarship. So like that stuff was being weird. I was also in my fifth year of uh, high school. I did a fifth year just to upgrade my marks. So 
I got kicked out of school as well. Oh, wow. Okay. I Listen, got I got kicked out of my fifth year of university, or of, sorry, of uh, high school. And I, remember I was lying to my parents for, again, like a month or two about going to school every day. I wake up, put a bag on, get my bike and I'll like pretend I was going to school, but I was at the kill time all day before wow. I went to practice. So basically like, again, I like hit rock bottom. I was like, man, like this is all I have right now. So when I'm at preseason, like I'm literally giving it all I have. So when I finally signed that, that contract, I was like, a breath of relief, you know, but right. a new life is now starting. But uh, definitely I was like, again, I dreamed about playing professional since I was four years old, three years old playing, like started playing, you know, and wishing at dreaming about being in the game, a FIFA game, you know, like for sure. All me and my friends will all talk like, Oh, I can't wait to be in FIFA. It'd be crazy if we're in FIFA. You know what I mean? So like, and you got to be that guy. Yeah, exactly. So like, <laughs> things started happening and I was like, Oh my God, like doing this, doing that. Like, like kind of checking boxes off when, from when you're like a, like a kid and it's just like, right. it's pretty, it's just crazy. So you sign your contract. At what point do you tell your parents that you've been lying to them for almost a full year? Or I mean, maybe at that point it's yeah two thirds of a year. Yeah. I, like after I signed, I definitely let them know. Definitely. Let and what, what was their reaction to that? <laughs> they didn't really know how to act. It's like never expected that from like their one son, you know. So like, what? Like you, like you weren't going to school, like you know. And my dad was talking about like even that time he was talking to like about construction, doing work in construction at that time, and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, man, like I don't want to do that, you know. So right, continue my lie and kick like kick my kick myself hard. I don't if I don't be pro or make it to be pro you know make it to be a pro and stuff like that uh they definitely were shocked we laugh about it now like for sure we'll go but we still laugh about it now I kind of had like one over them a little bit they say you <laughs> everything but I kind of got away with it so I ended up working out but uh yeah definitely it was a I can laugh about it now but it, it was a serious time for sure for sure no 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 for sure and so if if TFC Academy wasn't it if you didn't sign your professional contract and you you had offers to go and play university soccer where would you have gone do you think uh so I had some offers from Wake Forest uh North Carolina uh and Akron Oh nice are these all like division 1 schools like in, in one soccer schools, Yeah and I remember Akron was like either one or two at the time in the country. So it was like, uh, it was decent. It was pretty decent, you know, but school just like, wasn't like a thing for me. Like I didn't enjoy it that much. You know, I, right. went, I never really missed class. I just, I was always there. It just wasn't, just wasn't holding me, you know? So you know, everybody has their, their, their path. For sure. And uh, so nine days after you sign your professional contract with TFC, you make your league debut against Portland. What was that feeling compared to your first game during that CONCACAF uh, Champions League game? Uh, definitely that I was getting paid to play soccer. <laughs> so my performance, good or bad, literally has an impact on if we get the three points or not. And uh, it's funny because I actually remember playing that game and I made an overlap, crossed the ball in. I was running so fast, like I crossed it in. And I went into the, the I guess, the boards. The right, yeah. And that's right where the, I guess, their south end where all their fans are. So I remember I went to the boards and I, I looked up 
and I just saw a, like a sea of green jerseys. And like Portland, when they came into the league, they were aggressive fans. They were they would kill you. They would talk all their smack. Oh yeah. And I remember I looked up and I literally said, I, "It's funny because I actually said to myself that moment, I was like, I'm here. Like I belong. I made I, it. I made it. Like I'm I'm here. This is where I wanted to be in this atmosphere. You know. So yeah, I remember that for sure." <laughs> That's sick. That that's that's actually that's that's pretty dope, man. So I, I'm coming at you with a bunch of dates. Just don't mind me. Um, May second. <laughs> I'm keeping you on your toes. May second, 2015. You become the first player in TFC history to make a hundred appearances through all competitions. Yeah. So you've definitely left your mark on two occasions for TFC. One, the hundred first player in history to do a hundred appearances. And you were also the first ever graduate from the TFC Academy to, was it to play for TFC as well? Uh, yeah. See, I mean, listen, they, they can't erase that. Yeah. There, there's no, they don't remember the second person. You were, you're number one in those books. Yeah. So, 2016. So you're so you're now on the team. Like you're you're finding your place on the squad now. I know that there's a little bit of uh, I don't want to say controversy, but competition for your left back position. So there there's another guy they bring in, and you guys are sort of splitting time a little bit. And in 2016, you actually went through some adversity with uh, injury during that time. And and for people who don't remember, 2016 was the first run TFC made at the MLS cup where they ended up playing Seattle Sounders in the MLS cup final. What, what did that experience of being injured throughout this historic first run at an MLS cup? What did that mean to you to sort of be on the sidelines and not to, you know, play with your, with your squad? Uh, definitely. It was again, one of the hardest times ever, ever in my life. I've never been injured. I've never, or I've been injured, but I never broke a bone before to actually hold you out for more than a month, you know? And uh, I broke my fifth metatarsal. I think it was away in Philly in a training session, I think it was. And uh, I think that was a training session in in Philly. We played Philly next to me, trained. I I rolled my foot, snapped. Uh, definitely it was one of the hardest times ever, you know, and just to be there with the team, but not really be there. It's actually one of the hardest times as an athlete, not even as, as an athlete, as a person in general to be injured and on the sideline, like you kind of have to de- develop ways to stay involved, stay excited, yeah. stay trying to be involved with the team, you know, especially, you know, and uh, it's, it's so hard. It's like, I was probably in the darkest, deepest, like deepest and darkest places in my life ever, you know, uh, definitely hard. It was hard to climb out of that for sure. And it's one of the toughest ways to ever lose in any sport ever penalty shootouts. Right. And so, I mean, it's zero, zero Seattle wins and sets a record because they didn't register like a single shot on goal during full time and extra time. And so they end up, they end up pulling it off in, the shootout now reminded was the game in Seattle or was it in Toronto? So it's in Toronto. And so what's the, what's the morale of the team after coming so far playing so well and just falling just that short of a championship? Uh, definitely. We were gutted. We were, you couldn't believe it. It was just like, uh, everything was, everything rolled out for us to win the game. Like right. favorites or, you know, we were in favor. We dominated the game. 
they were not even close to being at the level we played at all year or even in that final, you know, and uh, I like to say kind of typical, typical Seattle. They kind of <laughs> play, they play, that's their game. They just hold out until the end, maybe penalty shootouts, maybe might nick a goal or two at the end. That's just like the style of play, you know, and uh, we definitely said in the change room after that game, like uh, it's funny because we actually said, I remember Michael Bradley said after that game in the change room, we will be back. Like we will literally be back. This is not over. And he said, if anybody thinks it's it's over, they should not come back next year. He said, this is not over and we'll be back. So, and it's funny that he said that our coach reiterated that as well. And, uh, you know, again, next season somehow. Yeah. That, and, that, and that's the thing. Like, and so then, you know, the off season happens, 2017 starts and you guys get off like gangbusters. You guys set the record for most points in a single season, a regular season. You had tied for the most wins, I believe, with 20 in the regular season. You guys had this historic run. But before you could get back to the MLS Cup, you guys had to get through the, want to say it's the New York Red Bulls that had a little bit of a uh, an incident at halftime yeah. during the I think it was at the second leg of that of, of that uh, series. Uh, home game at Beam. Yeah. So Jose and Sebastian get into a, a little bit of hot water. You know, halftime they call it a, a melee, a little bit of a fight in the tunnel or whatever, and they actually end up getting suspended for after you guys move on against, I think it was that the Columbus crew in the next round that you're playing, they're suspended for the first light. What did that mean? So you have this historic season. You guys are playing well. You guys are playing well through the first game against New York uh, Red Bulls. You have this incident. You're not really sure how it's going to shake out because I know there was a lot of appeals that went on during that time to say that there was video footage that TFC wasn't the one who instigated and all this kind of stuff. And then it ends up, they get suspended. What does that mean for your team going to that first round of the, of the essentially the conference finals without arguably your top two attackers? Yeah, man, for sure. It was definite blow for sure. But the crazy thing is like, yeah, they're, they definitely were top attackers in our team that year and for the history of the club for sure. But the way the team from the first man to the last man was playing that season, it honestly didn't matter who we played. It's like, I remember that season, like I think everybody scored a goal except for like two, I think three players, like, like, you know, and it was, it was unbelievable. And, uh, and I, to, to say for the credit to our team that year was uh, our training sessions at most times were harder than the game on the Saturday. That's how much really in our team where we would play 11 v 11. And if the starters didn't bring it or the, set, the, set, the reserves didn't bring it, like it was so competitive and so intense that when, yeah, when the starters did play on the Saturday, this game on Saturday was actually easier <laughs> training. That's how, that's how competitive we were, you know? So when it came to that game in Columbus where Josie and, and Seba were, uh, were suspended, you know, we definitely were feeling a little bit of way about it. But honestly, like, 
we knew our qualities and what we were able to do against any opposition. Cause again, like I said, our training sessions were one of the hardest, you know, obstacles that season. So you, I think you tie zero zero in the first leg against Columbus. You win a one, nothing game in the second game. You guys book your ticket to the MLS cup for a second consecutive year. And lo and behold, you draw the Seattle Sounders again, again at BMO field. What is the mentality? What is the mindset going into, okay, this is our chance at complete redemption against the team that stole an MLS cup against us last year. What's the mentality going into that game saying, you know, what do we have to do in order to hoist the cup this year? Yeah, you know, we definitely learned from the year before, especially a team like Seattle. Don't get me wrong. To make it to the final, you have to be a good team. Don't like, I'm not going to ever say they're not a good team. They have, qual- they have quality players. They're a quality team, especially as a team in a whole. But we knew we had to bury them in 90 minutes. We couldn't wait for extra time. Couldn't wait for extra time. Couldn't wait for penalty shots. We need to, for 90 minutes, if we go at their throat from the first minute, we're going to get them. You know, and uh, lo and behold, that's what happened, you know, with Josie, Victor, you know, it's uh, credit to them, you know, but the team, our team that day, again, played some fantastic football, some beautiful football, you know, and again, you could see how much of our presence we had in the game compared to compared to Seattle once again, you know, but uh, our mind was just a step on their throat from the first minute to the last minute, because, you know, if we let them hang around or linger around a little bit, you know, again, something like the previous year may happen because that's they're that's that's they're they're good at. They could do that. That's their game plan. If they execute their game plan, you know, it works in their favor. But we want to literally, basically, that was the emphasis: step on their step in their throat. Obviously, our coach has some other words, but you know, <laughs> step on their throat. So, TFC has one of the rowdiest fan bases and now that you're no longer part of that team i feel like maybe you could speak a little bit more unbiasedly about you know when you traveled on the road or when you experienced home games who would you say has the most passionate fans in the mls that you've experienced uh portland's definitely up there uh lefc is definitely up there as well like they have some they got some solid fans actually Going there is actually like when you come to Toronto, when people came to Toronto, you're in for a great atmosphere. Like this is this is where you want to be every Saturday. You know, I feel that what replicates that definitely LAFC has uh, has that feel to it as well. I'll, I'll definitely give it to them for sure. Which is interesting because LAFC was like an expansion team that joined, you know, the LA Galaxy sort of sharing that city. Is that where Zlatan played? So Zlatan played for the Galaxy. Oh, okay. And Carlos Bella plays for LAFC. Right, okay. So I, I knew there was somebody who was on LAFC. So you come away with a victory in 2017, a Toronto kid playing for his Toronto team, hoisting the cup in Toronto in front of those fans. I mean, that's as, that's as pretty a picture as, as one could possibly paint. What... What are you feeling when that final whistle blows and you you know that everything that you've ever wanted has finally come to fruition in that single moment? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like yelling, I was crying, I was like so happy, you know, uh, you know, my family was able to come like 
my family, my friends of the game came onto the pitch with me. Like I got to hold the trophy with my dad, my, my family, you know, and it's just like, it's hard to explain. Like you can't really replicate that feeling. It's unless you maybe win it again. Right. I don't know. Who knows if it feels the same. Right. But, uh, it was one of the craziest, craziest experiences I had in my life. Um, so fulfilling all basically kind of put it in, in uh, perspective, like all the work, all the stories, all those times travel to practice, you know, all those things you missed out on, like kind of all adds up to this, this trophy, you know, and what you put into this team, this organization to, to, to get here, you know? So uh, it definitely was one of the best experiences of my life. And even so to have your, your own parade, you know, my dad would tell me about the parades, Blue Jays back in the day, you know, and I was like, man, like I want to bring that for my city just from being a Torontonian downtown boy, born and raised, you know, like I want to bring that to our city. You want to let the streets be all red, you know, and for me, and also I did the, uh, the Viking clap, you know, at the, at the, at the uh, city hall for the fans to close it all out. And for me to be able to do that in front of like everybody and for everybody, like wearing my, my Toronto roots, leather jacket, like have Toronto on the back, you know, whatever, just like, it was just awesome. It was just awesome. 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 Never forget that. I remember watching those two finals back to back years, feeling the disappointment as a fan of, of TFC losing in, in a shootout. And then, seeing you guys overcome the odds and and seeing the confetti falling and the flares lighting up and the fans just like would not leave the stadium they weren't ready to you know that's got to be probably what the single most important memory that you'll have playing soccer to this to date yeah for sure you know just having my ring having all my pictures you know whenever i need to go to TUC training ground, trophies there, you know, our names are there, everything's there, you know, just to have that in my locker forever, you know, you can't change it. That's, that's in history now, you know, and who knows if there'll be another TFC team who could uh, replicate that or do it again, you know, cause that star on the Jersey will always be there for the rest of the club's history, you know? So whenever that star is there, you know, you know, I was part of it and all those guys are part of that, uh, part of that journey. There's a there's a lot of firsts for TFC that you are a part of. And that's I mean that's that's got to be one of the things that you'll remember when it's all said and done. However many you know years from now that you can look back at your career and said, listen, you did everything the right way. You did everything the way you wanted to do it, and you got to experience both the lows and the highs of what being a professional athlete is all about. Yeah. Um. So you also played for you also played for Canada. Right. So you also not only did you represent your city, but you also got to represent your country and putting on that red jersey. What did that feel like? When did you when did you first appear for Team Canada? Uh, was it 2011 or 2012? I played against uh, St. Kitts in St. Kitts. Uh, again, that for not even for myself, just from like my dad, and my family, that was just like. Like I was excited, but they were even more excited for me, you know, because, uh, again, I could have played for Jamaica or Canada at the time. And my dad's like, no, no, you're playing for Canada. Like, <laughs> whenever I go play for the national team, it's basically for my family. You know, not even for me, it's just for my family always, you know. 
So uh, again, that's one of the highest respects and honors you can ever do is wear the Canadian badge on any level, any competition, any sport, you know, just representing the whole country. That's like not even your city anymore. It's like, it's everybody here, you know? And uh, that's also one of the craziest things too. And it's uh, exciting, you know, it's uh, it's just a different kind of game when it comes to the national team, you know, it's just like national pride now, you know? So you're going to do what you really need to do to get to be better than the country you're playing against. You know, it's like bragging rights as well. It's kind of, it's exciting for sure. Exciting. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. If you had to choose between your TFC championship, the first in, in club history and winning the gold cup for Canada, (laughs) which, which I'm not going to say world cup because I feel like that's way too weighted on one side. But if you had to choose between the TFC championship of the MLS cup and Canada winning a gold cup, would you trade one for the other? Wow. I've never been asked that question. (laughs) My teammates that question. Uh, (laughs) Wow. I don't know how you could do that. I don't know. Like, uh, if someone said to you that at the end of your career, you could have win one championship. Okay. And it's either going to be for your club or your country in the gold cup yeah. and you had to pick. So let's just say you haven't won the MLS cup at this point. Yeah. You had to pick between which one you were gonna, you know, have to call your own. Would there be a competition? Would it, which one would you, would you pick? I would say, okay, I would say, uh, <clears throat> I'll definitely say the MLS cup final just because for that league, you know, uh, that's the highest kind of alchemy you could get in that league, you know, is you, you play all year for this. I'm not saying the Gold Cup is not important. The Gold Cup is very important, especially for like rankings and FIFA rankings and this and that. But, you know, when it comes to national team, like the Gold Cup will be great for the national team. But same time, you know, I even think to one up that is, you know, qualifying for the World Cup, we even – outweigh a gold cup so you know if we could if we had to lose the gold cup but still qualify for the world cup that's fine you know what i mean uh so i will say for in this case i will say uh i will say uh mls cup final i would say everybody in canada is just awaiting the time where they can make the world cup even if they don't win a game or whatever just to say that you're you're at that level now is something that I think this entire nation is ready for because the grassroots of soccer for the longest time has been immigrants from other countries. And that's what a lot of the team Canada was made up of as well. People who held multiple passports who weren't going to play for their other country, but you know, because they had a Canadian passport, were playing for Canada. And now we've seen, you know, the TFC Academy, we've seen more grassroots club level stuff going on um, within the different cities. I mean, we've expanded from Toronto to Montreal Impact is now part of the MLS. The Vancouver Whitecaps are now part of the MLS. So, I mean, Canada is getting their feet wet, getting ready that, you know, maybe in 10, 15 years, all of that development, all of that grassroots talent, all of that money being poured in through academies is going to finally bear some sort of fruit that says, Hey, you know, we're here, we're ready to go. It's our time now. And you, whether you're playing soccer still by then or coaching or doing whatever can say that you winning the MLS cup was definitely part of helping young players 
think that they could do that next and to continue to play soccer and develop and, and want to represent their country for sure. So you now, we, we went to started this at the beginning. You finished your contract with Toronto. You signed with Real Salt Lake. What has been the, the biggest surprise to you during this time? Um, being in a new city with COVID-19 and all of this craziness that's going on, what's been the biggest surprise to you that you didn't anticipate, but were kind of surprised about? Uh, to be fair, just like being or oh, starting a new life in a new city and then the COVID-19 hits and now the new life you came here for is now on pause, you know? So I think the transition for sure has been, a definite surprise, you know, I, right. I got my apartment. I just moved into my apartment the first week. Everything was then like put on lockdown. So I came to my apartment and like, I had no bed, had no couch and I had no furniture. So I actually had to tell the club, like, oh, I need to stay in the hotel one more night tomorrow. I'm going to go like get my bed delivered and stuff like that. So like I actually came in, I was like, I actually can't stay here right now because you know, things aren't open. Everybody's running around. Like, it's just, I'm not even settled yet, you know? So uh, I definitely think the club has been, you know, it's been good to me, especially for since this whole COVID-19 has happened and, and has, has hit has hit us, you know, I'm kind of here by myself. You know, uh, some of my teammates have been open up, kind of hit me up, make sure I'm good, make sure I have everything I need, you know, because they know I'm kind of, I'm here alone at the moment, you know? And uh, yeah, definitely, I ain't surprised. It's like, I kind of just, it's been a longer transition, I'll say, than I expected, you know? Uh, I did come here just to play, play football, you know, get back into my groove, get back into my game, get the love and everything back, you know? So it's kind of a, that's been put on pause at the moment. So hopefully, you know, I could build all that back up and uh, get it, get it revving again. So you've been to back to back MLS cup finals in 2016, 2017, you've won a championship. You actually won the treble that year. You won all three competitions. Are you coming into Real Salt Lake? as a veteran now with a lot of this experience, both in the playoffs and winning championships and playing in champions league and CONCACAF. Are you considered a veteran on your team now? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm definitely considered a veteran. Some of the veterans actually remind me that you're a veteran. Like say, Ashley, like you do know you're not that much younger than me. Right. I forget that I'm 29 sometimes, which I think is a good thing, but I do forget I'm 29 sometimes. Right. Uh, they definitely remind me, but no, I, I uh, I'm there for the guys. We have a lot, of, we have a younger squad as well, so all the young talent on this team. So I try to help out, just like how I did when I was in Toronto. I I, I love helping out the younger guys, especially because I know what this league offers. I know that could be the best to you, it could be really cruel to you, you know. So I try to help prepare these guys for when you know the successes come and when the when the negatives come at the same time. So. I'm always there. And they know, they know that I'm right away, right away. I started helping the young guys out from the first day. So I'm always cool with that. So, yeah. So with you being the mentor, the veteran, what, you know, what kind of expertise other than, you know, like you, like you just mentioned, uh, of knowing the league a little bit better. What is like the one piece of advice that you give to, you know, that young buck, that, that young cub who's looking to figure out where his place is in the league. What, what's that advice that you're giving that individual? Definitely, you know, when I was younger, I was told, you know, like complacency kills, you know, like you need to come in every day and still be a student to the game, whether you're 
16 or whether you're 32, 33, 34. You know what I mean? If you come in and you're not acting as like you're a student to the game, it's, the game's definitely going to leave you behind. You know what I mean? So, and you definitely, it gives you what you put into it. So I always tell them like, when you come into work, like, you know, you got to manage your bodies, but you also need to treat it like it's your last. Because I, I've, I always tell young guys, like, I came from the academy with a lot of players, you know, a lot of my teammates, a lot of great friends of mine, you know, and uh, they've been cut after a year or two and left with no other opportunities or, or nothing, you know, so they have to kind of just, you know, change their life, change their job, change your expertise, you know, from just from like one bad day, a couple bad days, you know what I mean? So you know, I've seen, I've seen this life being taken away from guys who actually love the game through and through, you know, and we'll definitely ask for it back. But sometimes, you know, like I said, complacency kills and you got to treat this like you don't got it tomorrow, you know, and I think this COVID-19 especially has kind of put a lot of things into perspective for people as well, you know, so uh, I've always been trying to preach that from, to myself too. Every day I try to tell myself that and everybody around me. So, yeah. So speaking of COVID-19, so May 6th today, MLS has said we can start to get going. Have you guys any indication as to when the actual season might start? And if it does start in like a month's time, are you playing a full season? That's, that's, that's a, it's a good question. I'm still, I think the league and everybody's still trying to figure everything out. You know what I mean? And I know our, you know, the league, the players, union, you know, everybody, they're trying to uh, take care of that and see what works best. And obviously we can't really plan so much for the future until, you know, we know that everybody's safe and secure and people are going to be okay, you know, and uh, I'm not too sure really, you know, I think we've had phases built into what's going on right now, but again, things could change with days, you know, so we could be doing individual training right now. And then, you know, who knows if something happens, you know, cross my fingers and knock on wood, you know, uh, that could stop too, you know, so hopefully, you know, people are practicing social distancing and things are getting looking, looking in our favor, you know, so, you know, not even for us, but just for life, everything could go back to, uh, go back to, you know, quote unquote, a normal. Yeah, because Korea's baseball league has finally started back, and uh, they just announced the Bundesliga is actually going to be starting, uh, I think, the end, the second half of May. Yeah, 15th, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, so we're starting to get into that, you know, time where sports are going to be starting returning, no fans. I mean, the UFC is having their first event on May 9th, and they're planning on having an event every single week if this becomes successful. But I would probably say that the one sport that can adjust to not having fans would probably be soccer only because historically, if two teams have bad blood against each other, they close out the arena to those fans. So there's a little bit of a history of playing without fans. But what would that mean to you? Obviously, you love the game of football. That's not necessarily going to affect it, but... Would it feel weird to you to not have fans there and understanding it's for the right reason, but it still feel weird just to not have them, that supporting section cheering you on? Yeah, of course. You know, I feel for me personally, I think football fans are best fans in the world. The most passionate fans, you know, through on through chanting from first minute to the last minute, you know, so, you know, to miss that extra man, that 12th man that, you know, that extra little, 
for the atmosphere, you know, it, it definitely will be tricky. It's not, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. And I don't think it's going to be easy at all, you know, cause you know, we do this for our fans at the end of the day, right. And our club, you know, and, uh, it's going to be a, a big transition for a lot of us, you know, hopefully they could like simulate noise or something for us, you know, just, uh, again, I don't know. It's, it's cause in preseason, sometimes we play in front of no fans, like closed door preseason matches, you know, but even those could be different kind of games, you know, cause again, that, that, that feel, that atmosphere is, is missing, you know, and, uh, I would hate to play in front of no fans as well. You know, it's not the most exciting thing to do, but if that's what, the league comes to, and that's what we have to do. You know, uh, as professionals, this is what we get paid for, right? So, gotta do. What we have to do at the end of the day to to get the three points, right? So, it's got to happen. Now, I'm going to ask you two hypothetical questions to put you on the spot. Now, when you run FIFA with your boys, <clears throat> and are you guys using countries? Or are you guys also using clubs? Uh, it's usually clubs. So what what is your your go to club that you'd like to play with? Uh, I'm an Arsenal fan, so usually Arsenal or Bayern Munich. Yeah. So so we've we've been talking now for almost fifty minutes, and I thought we were doing really really well up until you told me you're an Arsenal fan. <laughs> I'm a good. I I love the Blues, man. Chelsea, that's that's my squad. <laughs> There's only one top team in North London. That's Arsenal. Oh man! All right, so that did not go as planned. Excellent. All right, so Arsenal in in FIFA, yeah. and if you got to change one rule when it came to soccer, yeah. So any rule that you wanted to change, you could change one one rule. What would it be, and why? Oh man! <laughs> I like. I was like, get rid of the the VAR, the VAR. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know, man. Just, I guess I've been on the on the too many of the negative sides of the of the VAR at the moment. So that's just, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> so get rid of VAR. Leave it back up to human error, which is part of the game. I mean, listen, you you win some, you lose some. It, it finds a way to even itself out. Always the ball never lies, man. You know, find itself out. You know, figure itself out. Awesome. Now you currently are part of the Regent Park United campaign. Yeah. Um, what can you what can you tell us about this current initiative you're part of? Yeah. So, uh, so Regent Park United basically uh, it's kind of a, it's a nonprofit organization that uh, you know helps kids in the area. You know, uh, help play soccer basically and uh you know they've affiliated themselves with you know cherry beach soccer club to enter some rep teams and uh they actually where we actually you know take care of all the expenses for these kids you know we basically just want the kids to show up play you know be carefree enjoy the game enjoy the sport you know make new friends and just enjoy themselves and get active you know so it's uh i think it's a great initiative you know I'm newly on to the newly on board to the team and uh, I'm really excited to just get things started. Obviously the COVID-19 happened. I was like, Oh man, like, you know, a lot of things like I said have been put on, put on hold, you know, but uh, again, these kids have been fantastic. I've met some of them already. Uh, they're so excited to just get back outside and play, you know, and uh, I think it's just a great initiative that I've been really wanting to be a part of for a while now. So finally, you know, things have worked out and I've been able to 
you know, join the team and try to assist the kids and the organization as, uh, as much as I can. Amazing. Yeah. What we'll do is, uh, when this goes live, uh, probably sometime, uh, next week, well, I'll make sure to include the link to the region park United campaign Instagram account so people can get more information, figure out how they can help as well. Cause it, like you said, it looks like a, an amazing cause and anytime we can remove financial barriers from, from kids playing sports, it's, it's the, one of the best things that we can do. Dude, this has been awesome. I got one more question before you, before we leave, before I let you go. Um, what was your first major purchase uh, after you signed your first professional contract? Oh, man. Uh, so one of my coaches from the academy, Jason Bent, who got promoted as we all did, when I got promoted to the first team, I got my first contract. He actually became a first team coach as well, one of the assistant coaches. And he used to play for Canada, play professional, everything. He told me that don't buy any Louboutin <laughs> or Gucci with your first with your first contract. Treat yourself when you get your second contract. So uh, I got myself like, I don't know, I think my second contract, I got myself like a Louboutin wallet. You know, I think I still don't use it. I'm like, this is not me. I definitely thought it was me back then. But that was with my second contract. So my first contract, honestly, like I didn't, I just saved my money. I didn't really, I wasn't really into that. Uh, I just wanted to play soccer. I didn't really care about all that, you know, so. Good for you, man. Good for you. Not sure. I, I definitely heard some horror stories. Some guys have bought some outrageous things that I know. But for me, I kind of was like, no, that's not really my thing. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Well, at least you know that about yourself. And that's a good thing because you know what? During this time where, you know, you have to pay for an apartment, you got to pay for, you know, the lavish things for, for your partner. I mean, they, they add up and they don't get cheaper as we get older. They don't. They definitely don't. <laughs> they definitely don't. Well, dude, honestly, this was amazing. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Um, hopefully we can catch up with you at some point once the season starts to sort of see how, how that is going and, and to, to see how the changes to, of COVID-19 affected your, your MLS season. But, uh, this was, like I said, this was awesome. Thanks for taking the time. Um, where can, what's your Instagram, uh, handle where people can follow along and see your journey through the season? Uh, it's, uh, at morgsinko. Yeah, on Instagram, and that's all I really, that's all I'm really on right now. So, are you uh, are you still number five for Real Salt Lake? I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm number three, so that's like uh, it's a little different. I do enjoy number three. I used to wear number three when I was younger, so I, was I used to wear number. Th- I wore number three at Northern, so I mean, I'll take that. All right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, Ashton. Thank you very much for doing this. Uh, good luck with your season at Real Salt Lake. I hope everything gets better with this whole COVID-19. I hope you find that love and passion again once you start training tomorrow. Be safe, stay healthy, and um, like I said, good luck on, on your season in 2020. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Let's do this again. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother.